Good morning. It's so good to see you here this morning. Let's stand up. We're going to sing a song together this morning. with us. This, this next song is called Better Than a Hallelujah, and I feel like sometimes it needs a, a little bit of an introduction. The first verses say, God loves a lullaby and a mother's tears in the dead of night. 
better than a hallelujah sometimes. And God loves the drunkard's cry and a soldier's plea not to let him die better than a hallelujah sometimes. God hears everything that we do. Every little cry out to him, he hears that. And he, he appreciates every time we call to him. Let's sing this together. Mother's tears in the dead of night Better than a hallelujah sometimes God loves the drunkard's cry The soldier's plea not to let him die Better than a hallelujah someone near you that you don't know and children come forward to join us for a few moments of sharing.
I'm talking about. I got to sit in the middle. I got to use this. Today we're going to talk about something that Matthew wrote in the Bible about these guys that were going to work for him. And they were going to do all kind of yard work and hang around and rake the leaves and clean up the, the vegetables in the garden that was left over. But some of them came early in the morning, then some of them came at noon, and some of them came at 4 o'clock. You did. Well, that's kind of like working in a yard. These guys weren't building snowmen. But some of them came late in the evening. At the end of the day, they were going to get paid for what they did. Does it work with my family? No, I know it. Me neither. But they all got the same amount of money, no matter how long they worked. So to illustrate that, we're going to have a little fun, okay? We're not going to have props and stuff. We're going to use you guys and girls to do this sermon, okay? This little. So I want you to stand up. Who wants to be first? Me. Okay, come in. Come in. Come over here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I want you to stand right here with your hands sticking out. Who wants to be second? Come on, you can be You want to be second. You stand here and hold his hand. You come stand and hold her hand. Who wants to be next? You come. Come on. Stand over here. Hold it and hold the other way. You go still and hold her hand. You go stand. Hold it. It is good to see all of you here this morning for this time of worship. And if you're visiting here with us, 
we are glad to have you here and invite you to come back on many, many future occasions. I uh, want to give you a chance to write down some prayer concerns that you might have to share, uh, and we will join you in praying for things on your heart. Uh, if you need an index card to write on, if you raise your hand, our ushers will give you an index card and write something down you don't mind me repeating, and uh, we will share your concern uh, in a few moments as we pray together. The Sunday night program continues tonight, Bible study for adults, mission kids and choir for the children. Um, this begins uh, 5.30 this evening, and we invite you to come for that. Believe it or not, February is upon us, and the first Wednesday night of February is this Wednesday night, the second, Groundhog Day. Uh, and we will be meeting for a catered dinner uh, between 5.30 and 7 in the social hall. We're going to have um, honey mustard chicken, scalloped potatoes, coleslaw tea, and yellow cake for dessert, um, pizza for the kids, and activities for the kids after dinner. It's a great way to have some fellowship uh, with people you may not know as well as you'd like to get to know them. Some of y'all come and uh, join us for this good uh, first Wednesday dinner. Um, Katie Jeter and Eric Jeter both need to come and make an announcement I am reading. And while they're coming, uh, Girl Scout cookie time is here. Uh, please see Ellie Smith, Mallory Williams, Zoe or Kinsley Spearman or Gabby Edwards. They're in our Troop 2023 that meets here and are members of this church. And they, are, will, they will have some cookie booths later on coming up, but you can place your order with them now. Good morning. Um, on behalf of our cross-training Sunday school class, I would like to invite you out to our fourth annual Cheerful Hearts Midwinter Dinner on February the 6th at 6 p.m. in the FLC. Um, we're selling tickets at both services for $10 each. Um, we will have a live and silent auction. In the past, we have been known to provide some unscripted comic relief. Um, this has always been a great time for our church to come together, uh, pull people from the community in, and just have a great time. Um, we've also been able to uh, um, uh, get a, a, a bunch of money up for the church and we just ask that you would continue to donate if you have in the past just get with Kevin or Katie or myself and uh, so we can try to get those items in so please come out and join us for a night of fun food and fellowship thank you help me make my announcement really quickly we have a really special Sunday coming up next week does anybody else want to come up before we get started is this it okay girls are y'all gonna help me tell everybody what we have going on there's also a sign or a banner hanging in the back that you might want to check out um, before you leave today to tell you a little bit more about this mission that our mission kids have coming up okay when is our next mission what's our next mission project and when is it Okay, next Sunday, February the 6th, right here in the Family Life Center. At what time? 
at four o'clock in the afternoon, we are gonna have our second annual Make a Swish fundraiser. And what is this fundraiser for, girls? There we go, the School of the Deaf and Blind, and that's in Spartanburg. It's the South Carolina School of the Deaf and Blind. And we are raising money again for that school this year. They have a lot of great programs there, and they need our help. So we are going to give all of our mission kids 60 seconds to shoot as many baskets as they can in the age-appropriate size goals. Um, and we want you to pledge per basket um, an amount that you will give to sponsor these kids. We have our pledge sheets ready today. They're two different colors, but they're both the same thing. So I'll let these girls help me pass them out, and then hopefully y'all will meet me at the back doors when they leave today, and you can just give your pledge cards back to myself or one of these mission kids. If you have any questions, let me know, but the sheet should explain it pretty well for you, and we appreciate your support in this mission. Thank you. I, I could do that if an age-appropriate size basket, about this big round, I could probably... Okay, that'll be, let me see if I got, what date is the midwinter dinner? 13th. 13th. And <laughs> I thought I was remembering right, Eric. <laughs> it's the 13th, it's right before, right before Valentine's Day. I, I didn't want to be here a week early, but uh, anyway, uh, got prayer cards? Any others? Chris Harris is away from us today. Uh, you might have noticed in the band, he is uh, hunting wild boar. Somebody says that's what he does during my sermons every week. <laughs> that was bad, yes, okay. Let us, uh, do we have any other prayer cards? Our ladies are still working. Okay, I think you're done. Great. Let us have uh, our hearts joined together in prayer for a time of prayer and uh, meditation. Lord, we are thankful for this day. Thankful that we can come and assemble together in peace and uh, at our choice with the freedom that we have and we're thankful for this and we have had our newspapers and televisions filled with news from a part of the world that is part of our heritage as we hear about all the troubles in Egypt and we pray for those folks that they might enjoy our freedoms and that they may resolve this time of uh, disturbance in some peaceful way that they might face a better day together tomorrow. And Lord, these are our special prayers for this day. We pray for Bella's family, for Ronald, who was run over by a car, for grandfather recovering from emergency surgery and he's still in intensive care, for all those battling cancer and strength for their families, we pray for a daughter's successful surgery and the prayers um, for her continued healing. We pray for those uh, who have the flu. We continue to lift up Neil as he goes through chemotherapy and we pray for 
relief from his nausea and healing from cancer. We pray for all those struggling in their marriages. We pray for your safety to be with those who are traveling and those who are looking for jobs. We pray for those who are traveling this day, those facing surgery in these coming days, <clears throat> for friends and family seeking employment, for Clay Thornburg's continued healing progress, for a son's relationship with God and, and his family. We pray for another prayer for Clay Thornburg and for Gracie Green recovering from surgery. We pray for a wife's continued healing after surgery this past week. For Mrs. Pinson, who had hip surgery, for family and friends seeking jobs. For Catherine Hip, as she continues to serve with the Peace Corps in Cameroon. We pray for an instructor who's had a tough time financially. And for the Newton family and the healing of their loss of a father. And for Luke Hall. Lord, these are our prayers that we pray in the name of Jesus who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It is a wonderful thing to have Preacher Bob back with us today, Bob Goulart, to bring our message. Uh, I understand that <clears throat> Bob was a little boy one time, went to one of these churches where the preacher yells all the time, and he decided right then that he'd rather be the one doing the yelling than the one being yelled at. <clears throat> And I think he told his mother, Mom, if we go ahead and give him the money now, will he hush? <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome. Wow, there's a computer up here now. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, be with us today, guide and direct us. Let our minds be open to your word and our heart receive it in its fullness. Let your Holy Spirit come amongst us and fill us. And my words be pleasing and honorable to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paul of Tarsus was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a disciple for God's kingdom and what was about to happen. Paul had uh, three missionary journeys. And for the sake of argument, we can say that Paul had four missionary journeys. And I call his fourth journey a cruise. Paul went on a Mediterranean cruise. His first journey was from Antioch to Antioch. And his second journey was from Antioch to Antioch. 
His third journey was from Antioch to Jerusalem. And you may look and say, well, why didn't Paul go back to Antioch to start again from where he started? And the reason that Paul went back to Jerusalem was he was going there to Jerusalem to examine the Jewish laws and to reiterate to the Jews what Christ was saying about how they're to treat the Gentiles. This trip was not going to be a safe trip for Paul. During his time in Jerusalem, Paul was very, very close to being killed. For he was speaking on behalf of the Gentiles. He was speaking what they didn't want to hear. But ironically, during this time in Jerusalem, Paul was saved by the Romans. After going to Felix, Agrippa, and Festus to argue his case, Paul made it known that he himself was a Roman citizen. And for that very such reason, Paul was able to have Roman counsel to discuss his case. He was to go before Caesar. And where was Caesar? Rome. So where was Paul going? To Rome. And why was Paul going to Rome? The very reason why Paul was going to Rome. Not just to see Caesar, but to spread the word of Jesus Christ to the Romans. That's the very reason that Christ, that God, sent Paul to Rome. That's the very reason he was sent to Jerusalem. It's a plan. God has a plan. He not only has a plan for those disciples of Christ, he has a plan for each and every one of us. Paul didn't know that. Paul was just going along where he was supposed to go and doing what he was supposed to do. He was being what we call obedient to God. And on this journey to Rome... Who was accompanying Paul on this ship? The Roman guards. They were his shipmates. They were his ship buddies, his roommates. Paul was going first class to Rome. So now that we have some background on what God wants Paul to do, let's take a look at this trip to Rome. You see, Paul's trip across the Mediterranean Sea started out well, he was going to be take two ships. The first ship was the Imperial Regiment, which left from Malta, and it was a short layover there. And then he was going to take the, to Rome with the Egyptian ship, the Alexandria. I know when we go on cruises these days, it's just one boat that takes us the whole way. But these ships were going to different ports to drop off their cargo and do different things. So Paul had to take different steps to get where he was going. Being obedient. I'm going to read our scripture for today. It's Acts 27. And we're going to start out on verse 27. 
I'm not sophisticated enough to put it on the board, so you'll just have to listen to me or pull out your Bible. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes they held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he says, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. And all together there were 276 of us aboard. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could, cutting loose the anchors. They left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this, everyone reached land safely. The word of God for the people of God. As we see in God's word, the cruise was going very smoothly to begin with. But then a storm came up. It was a mighty storm, a nor'easter you might say, a perfect storm. It was unforgiving, it was relentless, it was brutal and punishing. And it probably reminds many of us of the storms that we've had in our lives. Or the storms that we're going through in our lives right now this very day. And as we heard in the prayers of Reverend Hope, there are a lot of people out there going through storms. But Luke tells us 
that there were four anchors put down to secure the boat until daylight. And instead of waiting, the men wanted to abandon the ship and separate. They had not eaten for two weeks. They were famished. Their lives were destroyed. They were fixing to die. The ship was going down. And in this storm like this, as described by Luke, one can be tossed around without direction or reason. And one can be stuck in the shadow of the valley of death and not see the mountain that's high above them. Being a Christian during these storms is very difficult. It's hard to see beyond the fog of the storm, beyond the wall that's in front of us that we've come to meet. It's hard for us to realize that God is watching over us every moment of every day. Here are four anchors I'm going to give you that you might could use during your storms. Anchor number one is the anchor of stability. We have to be stable in our belief, stable in our faith. The anchor of stability holds firm when our navigation fails and we don't know where to go because it's so easy for us to lose our bearings in a storm, in a life tragedy. The stormy circumstances, they hinder our way. Unexpected problems occur that we didn't think were going to happen. Paul told his cruise companions to keep up their courage, to hold your chin up. The ship is going down, but we're going to be okay. That's the anchor of stability. It is difficult in adversity to focus on anything but the overwhelming waves that are in front of us. We lose our focus. And Paul firmly tells them again to be of good cheer. We have heard from the Lord that none will be lost. Stability can be found in God's word. If we look in Isaiah 43, through 43, 1 through 2, if I can find it. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God. Stability. Staying grounded and staying firm in God's word. Anchor number two is unity. Hold on to each other. You can't do it alone. Paul told them, don't get rid of all these people. Don't throw them overboard. We got to stay together. We have to unify. We have to become one. Locking arms. I remember when Brent, the first time he rode a roller coaster, I was riding with him. Boy, he could hold on and lock arms. How about the first time your child jumped into a swimming pool when they hit your arms? They were locking on, weren't they? Hold on. Grab a hold of each other. 
And Paul knew that the staying together was the secret to their survival. It was a great temptation to abandon ship and swim for it yourself and do it on your own. But Paul warned them that it was certain death if you go out by yourself. Sometimes it's easier to just walk out the door. Instead of humbling ourselves, whether it be in our family relationships, our friends, our work, or even our church. It's sometimes difficult to humble ourselves and to hold on and be unified. We want to grab a bag of Doritos and go sit in front of the TV by ourselves. Tragically, some people turn to drugs or alcohol. And even worse, some turn to a revolver. The unity, the unity of the church. We're one body. We're one family. We need the presence of God's people surrounding us when the bottom has fell. To hide and run is what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to leave this unified people and go out by yourself so he can really attack you. We must persevere. And as God designed us, we're designed to be in fellowship, not alone. Stability, unity, anchor number three, renewal. Being revived, refreshed, rejuvenated. The people on the ship hadn't eaten for two weeks. Sometimes us Christians haven't been renewed by the word of God in two weeks. That's so sad when it's such readily available to us. It may be sitting on our coffee table or our dresser or on the kitchen table. But that does not rejuvenate you. It does not revive you. It does not renew you. What renews you and rejuvenates you is the word of God spoken and read as it is written. When we became enta become entangled in storms, we feel empty. We feel like everything has left us, that we don't have anything to grab onto. You feel a loneliness and anxiety, being rejected, being pushed away. Something's wrong. Why did this happen to me? Why did I have to have this surgery? Why did this disease come upon me? Why did he or she die? We become empty and want to fight it by ourselves. But we can't find the strength by ourselves. We end up emotionally and physically unable to do anything. We can't sleep. We can't function. But the anchor of renewal of being refreshed guards against this depletion. As the food on the ship nourished the sailors and the prisoners and the centurions... The word of God will nourish you. Something 
happen before these people ate on this ship that probably had never happened on this ship before. Something Paul did, and that was go to God. He prayed to God. He said a blessing. He gave God thanks in the midst of tragedy in a storm that was fixing to wreck that ship and kill them all. How many of us thank God when we're on the shadow of the valley of death? How many of us thank God when our husband, our wives, our child, our best friend, a church member is laying in the, in the hospital? Thank you, God, for giving me the strength to be here for this person. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that I know you have told me and I know by faith that you're going to get me through this storm. Paul prayed we should pray. God wants us to talk to him. He wants to have a relationship with us. He just didn't create us and set us aside and he goes his own way. He wants us to have a relationship. And to have that relationship is in his book, his word. We need the presence of people surrounding us when the bottom is dropped out. Renewal, unity, stability. Anchor number four, reality. Something real is happening. This is not a dream. It's a reality. You need to become part of it. Where are you most likely to find Christ in your life? Where are you most likely to search him out when we have trouble? Why do we do that? Why do we only take that time to search Christ and God? He's been there the whole time. It's not like he's waiting until we get in trouble and then he presents himself. He's always been there. But we just don't see it. The fog of the storm, the rain of the storm, the mountains and the valleys, they block our vision. They block our senses. And sometimes we find we don't know what to do. But he's always been there. Always go to God. He wants you to talk to him. It's real. You have to get with the program. Don't be passive. You have to be active when you're in the midst of a storm. To just sit back and let him tell you, Hey, Bob, it's okay. The storm's going to pass. It's going to pass. It's going to pass. Satan's going to keep telling you it's going to pass. He'll tell you it's going to pass for 10 years. You've got to go to God. You've got to be active in your renewal, in your regeneration. You have to be among the people of God. No one has promised a magical escape route from a tragedy. No one has promised a guarantee of a cure from a disease. No one is guaranteed a bringing back to life like Christ did with Lazarus to walk the earth again. 
We have to be active in our faith. We have to be active in our walk with Christ. We have to be active on this journey of sanctification that we're going on beyond our baptism. Don't just sit back, fold your arms, and wait for the storm to pass like Satan says. Be active. We may have to admit that we did something wrong. We may have to be the person to repent. We may have to be the person to seek reconciliation of some kind during our storms. Reality requires an act of response. You open up your heart and you let the Holy Spirit pour its fruit out through you. You need to trust God to bring you home. So the best plan for surviving a storm, a trial, a tribulation is preparation. And to prepare your anchors of stability, unity, renewal, and reality. And to throw those anchors overboard. And to trust in Christ to bring you through. And sometimes we may have to humble ourselves so much that we come to the cross of Jesus Christ. We come before him and we feel his blood dripping down upon us to re-nourish us. We may have to humble ourselves and come before him and to ask him for forgiveness of our sins. We may have to come before the cross of Jesus Christ for the very first time and tell him, I have sinned, God. I'm asking you to come into my heart to rule my life and be my Lord and Savior. Sometimes we have to do that again. Because there's going to come a day when there'll be no more tears, no more pain, and no more suffering, we have to persevere now, just as the disciples did. You have to throw out your anchors. Amen. If you'll join me now in an affirmation of faith, I believe in God.
Please be seated, and uh, we invite our ushers to help us as we worship God by giving.
thank Preacher Bob and say welcome back. Good to have you here again. Now may you go forth in peace with your anchors holding in times of storm, carrying you through to victory. Amen. Have a great week.